Hey, this is Bradley Chubb, and you're listening to The Snap. Hey, this is Cortland Sutton. Hey, this is Tim Patrick. And you're listening to The Snap Snap with Sidney Jones on Broncos Podcast Network. Yeah! What's up, Broncos country? Welcome back to the Broncos Podcast Network and YouTube for this week's edition of The Snap. As always, I'm your host, Sidney Jones. It's the final week of the season here for the Denver Broncos, and they'll finish it at home with an AFC West divisional matchup against the Kansas City Chiefs. So joining me today to help me preview this matchup is ESPN's Laura Rutledge, who will be this weekend's sideline reporter. Laura, thank you so much for joining me today. So appreciate you taking the time to chat. Of course, it's great to talk to you again. And we're so excited about this game. I can't wait that that we're going to finish up the season this way. And we can't wait to see what we uh, see out there. Yeah, I know. It's hard to believe it's already the final week of the season. I mean, how fitting for the Broncos to end the season too, you know, facing an AFC West foe. (laughs) Laura, you know, what really intrigues you and excites you most about this weekend's matchup? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Um, Just in talking to some of the Broncos players, even Drew Locke, one of his statements that really impacted me was, you know, we're not some Broncos team that's just going to lay down because our season didn't go the way that we wanted to. We're a young, hungry team that has something to prove when it go out there and really fight. And I think you know, the Chiefs on the other side are obviously fighting for something too. They're fighting for a bye week in the playoffs, but they could be caught sleepwalking potentially if they're not taking this Broncos team seriously, which they did even reference the Chiefs did the previous meeting this season, how well the Broncos played and some of the things they have to look out for. But I really expect this to be an interesting close matchup. I think there's also some great opportunities on the Broncos side to show potentially why guys should be part of the future of this organization. And uh, they're very passionate about that. They're very excited about that. I I also think too, you know, getting a guy like Jerry Judy back in the fold, getting some guys healthy, getting some guys back out there, Bradley Chubb. I mean, the list goes on and on. It's been such a a hodgepodge of players out there for the Broncos and dealing with COVID and injuries and everything. And so they're a little bit more full strength this week, as you know, Sydney. So I think that helps them in a big way and, and maybe helps them finish the season out on a really high note. Right. I mean, you mentioned it, Drew Locke, he's going to get his third start of the season here after, you know, Teddy Bridgewater was unfortunately placed on IR this week, you know, after he's been in concussion protocols for the past few weeks. Laura, you know, Drew, he's done a really great job at protecting the football in recent weeks, but what area of his game do you really want to see him focus on in the season finale? Yeah, I think protecting the football is obviously where it starts for him. And he admitted that. I mean, he's, he's very conscious of the fact that at times when he's had opportunities, even this season when he came in, you know, for Teddy, he would turn the football over and, and he, I think got really discouraged with the way that the year was going and rightfully so. Uh, but I think what he considers a turning point is when he really did take over as starter for a full week of practice. I mean, you think about Drew Locke's time in Denver, it, it hasn't been any thing close to ideal. It's <laughs> probably the best way to say it. I mean, coming right. in and, and getting injured and it's a new offense and then COVID happens and he's not able to be around people and, and he's not making excuses. I'm not making excuses for him, but I think that's just part of his story. And so to finally have a little bit more time around the team, I, I'm looking forward to see how he handles this Chiefs defense. And he mentioned, you know, even at times before with them, how they would sort of force him into situations of just kind of heaving the ball up there and trying to make something happen. He's trying to be more careful. He's trying to say, if they're doing that to me, take intentional steps backward to then plant my back foot 
throw the football and be very sound in my technique as opposed to times when he's just been throwing it off of his back foot and, and, and not really sound in his technique. So I think we'll see more of that. He's conscious of it. it it'll be a matter of, you know, when it actually comes into the game, but I'm excited to watch his development, not only in this game, but down the road. I know Broncos country is too, you know, on the other side of the ball here, you know, Denver's had a pretty stout defense and they've remained really reliable for this team throughout the majority of the season here. You mentioned the last time the chiefs and the Broncos met, I mean, they held Patrick Mahomes. So I think it was only 15 completions. He finished the game with a career worst quarterback rating. I mean, that says a lot. Laura, just what are your thoughts on this Denver's defense and, and kind of who sticks out to you on it? Yeah, you know, Justin Simmons was telling me this week how they really take so much pride in their defensive play. And I think it's been shown on tape. They haven't been healthy. They haven't had everybody that they've wanted to have uh, by any stretch of the imagination, but yet they've continued to limit teams to such few points. I mean, if you just look at the defense, this is probably what is disappointing to Broncos fans about this season. You just look at the defense alone. That's a championship winning defense because they really do not allow teams to score a lot on them. And so I, I think that's key for this game. They want to finish out on a high note there. And there's obviously something different about preparing for Patrick Mahomes, but to your point, even though the chiefs were a different team when they faced him before there is the reality that this, this Denver Broncos defense knows they can do those things to Patrick Mahomes and make him uncomfortable and change up their looks. And I think that's going to be their approach big time in this one. You know, how can they possibly confuse him? He's gotten so much better. Mahomes has at some of his reads pre-snap, some of his uh, ability to identify the defense and formations and things like that, not making the mistakes that maybe he was making even earlier on this season. So it's a tough task, but I, I think it's something that um, they are very confident about going into this game, just based on my conversations with the Broncos this week. Yeah, Laura, you mentioned you talked to Drew a little bit earlier this week. I know you've had a chance to catch up with a, a couple of players and coaches. Who, who else did you talk to and kind of what did you talk to them about? Yeah, so um, we were able to talk to Coach Fangio today. So that that was uh, really interesting and just kind of picking his brain on everything. You know, one of the things that he brought up that I, I think probably gets glossed over sometimes is how important this rivalry is to the Broncos. And, and as much as it's not something to really be proud of, they know that they have had a losing streak against this Kansas City Chiefs team for a long time. And that they there's so much pride going into this one thinking maybe they can turn this thing around. You know, the Chiefs are coming off a loss to the Bengals. It was a little bit surprising to some, even though the Bengals are a very good team, a much improved team. Um, but I, I think they feel like, and, and he even started off our conversation with him, uh, Coach Fangio saying, you know, we're, we're ready to win this game. Uh, and there, there was a very succinct, very confident tone in his voice. And so I, I think that really struck me. But also my conversation with Justin Simmons, what an impressive player. I'm such a fan of his, um, just the way that he handles himself. And he brought up something that really stuck out to me too, about how he's enjoyed, you know, every year the team changes. It doesn't matter where you are. It's going to be different. And so just enjoying and savoring this group of defensive guys, he says has really been important to him. He's, he's learned so much from these men, um, not just with football, but even off the field. And I thought that spoke to the bond, the camaraderie, you know, in those defensive meeting rooms and, and those guys knowing that maybe the offense hasn't always been what it, what they ho had hoped it would be. And yet the defense still holding up there and at the bargain for the most part this season. 
Laura, you mentioned that 12 game losing streak here. You know, hopefully the Broncos do snap that this weekend. I know that would be a great way to uh, end the season here for the Broncos, but in your eyes, what do you think this team needs to do or who do you think really needs to step up in order for that to happen? Yeah, I mean, I think Drew Locke would need to play his best game that he's ever played as a pro. Um, Limiting mistakes, as we've talked about, but also finding a way to really utilize the weapons on this offense because you've got great weapons. I mean, obviously, Cortland Sutton gets a ton of the attention, but like I mentioned, Jerry Judy coming back. There's so many guys. The run game is key uh, to me, you know, and the Chiefs are very well aware of that. They they sort of know that they've got to stop the run uh, and, and try to limit the pass game as much as they can, but obviously this offense is so dictated by the run. And so I think if they really get the ground game going early, if Drew Locke plays an almost perfect game, which he's capable of, um, I covered him all throughout college. He really is talented, especially when he doesn't kind of force things or, or take too many risks. And then, you know, on the defensive side, Patrick Mahomes has shown that even, even during the eight game win streak that was snapped last week for the Chiefs, he hasn't been as explosive. Their offense hasn't been as explosive as it's been in the past. So I, I think, you know, a lot of the onus is on the offense, but the defense should feel really confident about going into this one and, and sort of doing what we talked about, changing up their looks and uh, trying to confuse him, maybe forcing him into a mistake. You know, it, we don't expect Clyde Edwards Alaire to play. They announced that. So if you look at the run game for the Chiefs, maybe down a hat there. Um, I, I think there's a way to keep this close. If it's close to the fourth quarter, it's a home game. You just never know what can happen. And that's where I do believe that a lot of their uh, belief that they can win comes from. Well, I hope you're right in that matter, Laura. So, <laughs> so appreciate your thoughts and your insight on the team. You know, before you go, one of the main goals here on the snap is to highlight some of the most prominent dominant women in the NFL and to inspire others in the industry. So just want to ask you a couple questions about your career here. You know, for some of our listeners who might not know, what does your current role with ESPN really entail? Because I, I know there's a lot of facets to it. Yeah, so I host NFL Live every day on ESPN um, at 4 Eastern. So that's kind of my just regular daily role. But I also host SEC Nation during college football season. So traveling around to different SEC schools, and that's every Friday, Saturday. Um, And then, you know, come this time of year, it's just anything goes. So like last week, I filled in on Monday Night Football on Monday, then went to the college football playoff semifinal in Dallas on Tuesday, was Alabama's reporter all week. Uh, So I did, you know, every show on ESPN with that, then reported on the Cotton Bowl, also hosting a lot of the coverage for SEC Network. So just kind of like all over the place. And, and, uh, you know, I love it. And this week I'll I'll do this game uh, in Denver and then I'll go straight from here to Indy, get there in time to host college football coverage uh, there for this Alabama-Georgia game. So kind of a mix of all things. And and I love it. I mean, if you had told me, I don't know, even five years ago, but definitely 10 years ago, if you told me like when I was still in college that I, I would be doing this, I would say there's no way. I, my my ultimate goal at that time was to be the Florida football radio sideline reporter. And, and I still think that would be a great job. So I am <laughs> very thankful for everything that um, has happened. And, um, you know, it's a it's a busy career, but it's a lot of fun. Right. Well, I know you've had, you know, numerous stops along the way to get to where you are today. Can you kind of walk me through that path and how you got to where you are? Yeah. So uh, I did actually start on radio in college and um, I, I did that mostly while I was in school. I hosted a 
two-hour radio show called The Cheap Seats uh, in Gainesville, Florida. I went to University of Florida, so did that. And then while I was there, there wasn't really a female presence in college football recruiting coverage. So I, I made that a niche of mine and would travel all over the state of Florida and cover seven-on-seven -seven tournaments and um, any type of recruiting camp that was happening and, and really the scouting side of football, which I think gave me an early advantage in understanding the game and being able to report on it. Uh, and then from there, I did a lot of baseball coverage. So I was a reporter for the Tampa Bay Rays right out of college and then went to the San Diego Padres. And then uh, in 2014, when I was 24 turning 25, there was uh, this you know new SEC network coming about and I thought I've been covering some big 12s some Pac 12s things like that for Fox and I thought oh my goodness if I could just get back to the SEC it'd be amazing and so I sent uh like 27 emails to all these different people trying to see if anyone would give me a chance and finally a couple weeks before the network launched I had a meeting with some of the executives in the Atlanta airport and I thought there was no way I got the job and they ended up hiring me to do just a 12 game package so it was a major step down from what I was doing before at Fox but I, I kind of thought I'm going to take a leap of faith here I'm, I'm still you know only 24, I'll just see what happens, you know, and it, it was the best decision I ever made. It, having to sort of build my career back up actually at a, a new place at ESPN took time, but it was right. so worth it and um, really so much fun. Well, last question here for you, Laura, you know, what's one piece of advice you'd give anyone in the industry, you know, no matter really what area of it they want to work in? Yeah, I would say keep an open mind because so often I, I'll talk to young women and men who, who say, well, I want to be on air. And um, while you may end up being on air, sometimes it's better to understand the production side and, and maybe try different avenues, write as much as you can, do radio, you know, try all mediums, podcast, whatever it may be. Um, just to get a variety of experience of different types of experiences. Yeah, I think as much as you learn things in school and you may do internships, it, it really doesn't matter until you have real life experience because this is such a reps based business, especially if you want to be on air. So I would say that. And then also leaning into the strengths that the younger generation does have. I mean, you guys understand social media way more than a lot of these older executives that are going to be hiring you right. lean into that, you know, make, don't be shy about um, talking about your own strengths and putting those out there. I think so often people approach some of these interviews with humility, which, which you should, but you should also make sure that you're telling people what you bring to the table and um, that you are willing to help however you can. And so I, I think the media is in sports media, especially is going to continue to shift and change here, especially over the next couple of years. And so leaning into an understanding of that landscape is a huge advantage. I love that. Great advice, Laura. I truly can't thank you enough for taking the time to chat with me today. Join me on this week's episode. And I can't wait to see you on Saturday. Yay, I can't wait to see you too. Good luck to the Broncos. Well, that's all the time we have for this week's episode of The Snap. Huge thanks again to Laura Rutledge for joining me. And thank you to all of you, Broncos country, for sticking around and hanging out with me every Friday throughout this season. Episodes will now be twice a month, so make sure to follow me and the Broncos Podcast Network on Twitter to stay up to date on the latest episodes. I'll see you all next time.